0: Okay. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place, and there is indeed. There's a
1: sweet, sweet spirit in this place, and I know that it's a spirit of my Lord. on each face. And I know that it's the presence of the Lord. Been revived when we shall leave this place.
0: All right. I think everybody was here this morning, here tonight was here this morning, but just real quickly we'll go through the announcements. August the 6th, we wouldn't want to have anybody say, Well, I didn't hear that there was going to be an 8 o'clock service. Uh, but on August the sixth, we'll not have. Uh, we just have the unified service, a 10:45 service. It won't be an 8 o'clock or a 9:30 service. Uh, and then that evening, there will be uh, the annual business meeting. Uh, there will not be a movie night this week, and there's no ladies' meetings this week. And there'll be a car wash down by the gym uh august i mean july the 22nd by the student council car wash okay do i have in his time up next paul learning to lean lean, okay now we got shuffled Mm -hmm. learning to lean we're going to just do courses tonight you know Sunday night's becoming one of my favorite services because it's are just close, it's a sweet spirit, people love the Lord and they want to come and praise Jesus. We do that by learning to lean. Love. Uh, Brother David, you're gonna handle that for us, all right. We're gonna do turn your eyes on Jesus next. Okay, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you tonight and we're thankful that you love us. We're thankful, Father, that you care about each soul, about each woe, that you care whether we perish, you care that we will be with you in heaven one of these days, and we thank you for that. Bless this offering now, Father, and bless this service, touch each heart. Help each of us to trust you more, to be your child, to rest in your arms. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look for in his wonder. And the themes of earth will grow strange, lead him in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. let do that chorus one more time. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look, for. In the light of His glory and grace.
0: Okay. I will serve thee. Is that one up next? Okay. I will serve thee because I love thee.
1: I will serve thee because I love Thee. You have given life to me. I was What I long for, you have given life to me.
0: I saw this one as I was singing through the book a while ago. It's called To Be Like Jesus. I know we've done it in the past, but it's been a long time. So let's do To Be Like Jesus.
1: Jesus, to be like Jesus, that's all I ask, to be like Him all through life's journey from earth to glory. Church. he was wounded
0: for our transgressions.
1: He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my And by His stripes we are healed He was wounded for my transgressions He was bruised for my iniquities You know
0: that healing happens in his time in his time sometimes we want to get in a hurry and do things our way on our timetable but how many when you were raising children how many times did the kids want to do something and you wasn't quite ready for it you know we get ahead of god sometimes but in his time if we let him things will work out we trust him in his time In his
1: time In his time He makes all things beautiful in his time Lord, show me every day as you're teaching me your way that you What you say in your time, in your time. Song I have to sing, be to you a lovely thing in your time, Brother John.
2: Oh, it's good to see you all today this evening today I was thinking about the all-church business meeting that we'll be having and I thought about that and I wanted to say a few words about what, what's going, not what's going to happen, but about the time in which we live. I'd like to read to you from the Gospel according to St. John, beginning with the 21st, verse. No, 21st chapter and the first verse. 21st chapter of St. John. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, have you any fish? No. He said, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it all, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, "'Bring some of the fish you have just caught.' Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore, and it was full of large fish, 153. But even so with the many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, "'Come and have breakfast.' None of the disciples dared ask him, "'Who are you?' They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish." This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep, my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? And then when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? <laughs> Jesus said, if I want him to remain alive until I return. What is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread around among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Now Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. 2,000 years ago, Jesus' disciples stood on a shore trying to ascertain the meaning of the resurrection and the authority that it held for their lives. Jesus appeared to them since his resurrection but his appearance was like a vision. The reality of his resurrection was not firmly fixed in their minds, hearts, and souls. They were experiencing anxiety about the future and about their identity and their ministry and their mission in life. In this time of anxiety and uncertainty, the disciples returned to the trade that they knew and they practiced before meeting Jesus. They returned to their old ways. They went back to fishing. However, fishing without a perspective, without, a, without identity, without future hope, can yield very little. Is this pretty loud? I'll put it over that way. The journey back to their old. Hello. The journey back to their old life was not very productive until Jesus, the source of their authority, entered the picture. Jesus called to them and helped them to get a fix on the situation so that they could fill their nets and waited for them to join, waited for them to join Him on that shore. Once they recognized Jesus, they knew that the risen Lord was not a figment of their imagination nor an appearance of a spirit or a ghost, they knew without a doubt that it was Jesus. Once they were on shore, they could see him clearly, touch the nail prints in his hands and feet, and see imprints on the crown of thorns upon his brow. There was no doubt that this was Jesus, the risen Lord, because he bore the marks of pain and the suffering on the cross. Jesus also reflects the joy that emerges when one is able to transcend death. Jesus kindled a fire for them and prepared a meal and commanded and, and he communed with them. After a time of remembering and conversing on the past three years with the disciples, Jesus turned to Simon Peter and said, and posed this question, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me more than these? Jesus asked this question three times, probably because Peter had denied him three times. In his gracious forgiveness, Jesus gave Simon the chance to wipe out the sins denying him three times by giving Peter the opportunity to make a threefold declaration of love. The declaration of love brought with it a task as well as a cross. It also brought three opportunities for Peter to give his life in service to God's kingdom. Two thousand years have passed since Jesus appeared to his disciples. And we are called to give witness to the reality of his resurrection in our time. And to make the resurrection incarnate in our lives. We are called at a time in which there is a conscious move on the part of many to privatize fundamental religion that leaves behind any memory of the cost of discipleship. That leaves the religion that they never mention what the cost is going to be. We're called at a time when our future is uncertain people are seeking meaning and belonging as never before for it is a time in which identities are insecure and power bases are shifting. We're called in an age of scarcity. We're called in an age of plenty. We're called in an age of increased violence. We're called in an age when people are turning inward They're losing their sense of community. I always said, you know, one of the first things that really hurt us in America is we got rid of our front porches. Yes. We used to sit out on the front porch. Another thing that's hurt us is television. We'd rather sit on television instead of meeting. and We don't even know who our neighbors are anymore, you know losing a sense of community. The sense of collective responsibility for the fate of each other is waning away. What takes the place of collective responsibility is a moral vacuum in which others are trapped forever in a private destiny, doomed for whatever befalls them. In that void The tradition measure of justice or good just vanishes completely. The self annihilates community, relatives, neighbors, and even God. The question for us is, who responds to God's care are these questions. How do we tell the story in a time of change, in a time of anxiety, In a time of insecurity, we're preparing for this whole church meeting that we're going to be having. How do we tell that story? How do we communicate the the relevance of Jesus' love and death and resurrection to the society in which we live? Can we proclaim the good news for persons and systems in a manner that transforms the status quo rather than just defend it? Now we, like the disciples who stood by the Sea of Tiberias, also find ourselves in a post-resurrection period. What does it mean for us to confess a risen Lord? Who are we, Liberty Church, in the light of the resurrection? Does the resurrection give us the courage to lay down some old names in order to give birth? To a new name, can we lay down the names of racist? Can we name down lay down the name of sexists and classists and imperialists and elitists in order to give birth to a community that is truly inclusive, pluralistic and egalitarianism and the reality of the resurrection is firmly fixed in our minds and in our hearts and in our souls. What is it that we are prepared to leave behind in order to follow Jesus? (coughs) Simon Peter had to leave behind the boats and the nets and the fishing and the treasured art of fishing in order to become a shepherd who would feed the lambs and the sheep. What is the excess baggage that we as a church must abandon? Does our baggage include the treasured self-images from which we have gotten a lot of mileage? When we take a serious look at ourselves, we are cast into roles partly chosen and partly imposed. The voice comes to us just as it came to Simon Peter and to the apostles. We have to think, leave your precious things behind. Follow me. Leave the security that enslaves you and head for the freedom in the wilderness. It's hard to move out. More often we turn away clutching our own possessives, possessions. We struggle with the call to leave and the yearning to stay. Each new day to, to live, each new place to enter, enter uh, each new relationship to embrace requires departures from treasured old things And precious old patterns. Do we love and trust God enough to abandon the old and engage new possibilities? If our answer is yes then there will be tasks and responsibilities for some and there will be a cross for us all. As the people of the resurrection we must face the question that Jesus raised with Simon Peter. Simon Son of Jonas, do you love me more than these? Jesus answered Simon by name within the context of his bloodline, his culture, his experience. The call to ministry, therefore, can be seen as a personal call that addresses us as persons within the context of our names, our history, our experience, our plans, our joys, our stories. The call confirms us as persons of worth. We're persons of meaning. The call by name assures us that we do not have to be invisible, but informs us that we are affirmed and we are validated by God himself. Our power and our authority, therefore, come from God who has called us and, and, and named by our own name and brought us into existence. And once we know that we have been called by name, no one can ever reduce us to namelessness again. If God calls by name, we do not have to cast ourselves into the image of someone else or somebody else like that. You know, We, we do not have to live out the identity of another. We live out our own identities that God has given us. We don't have to teach or preach or pray or sing or model our ministry after anybody else. We only have to be faithful to the Word that has been incarnated into us. Jesus not only addressed Simon Peter by name, but He also raised the question, do you love me? A call to the ministry involves the ability to feel deeply. It involves passion. Jesus did not want from Simon Peter uh, Peter a head answer only. Only by thinking this is what he thought. Jesus wanted the answer that would flow out of a deep sense of caring, feeling, loving, pain, and joy. Jesus knew that people who feel deeply... People who possess passion will risk living and dying. Listen. People without passion do not live or die very well. They feel neither pain nor joy very deeply. They have lost the spontaneity of the dance. They are people who do not fully comprehend the meaning of the resurrection. For when people experience pain and joy they begin to understand the resurrection. Simon, do you love me? It can be interpreted, Simon, do you love me enough to make a commitment? To call to ministry is rooted in commitment. We live in a midst of a culture in which people have no past, they have no future. They live for what they can get, they live for what they can keep, they live for what they have, they live for what they can use, they live for what they can throw away. For most Americans today, life yields no enduring joy. Because Americans' culture is a throwaway culture. Handy throwawayness is what life is all about. Corporations throw away people, husbands throw away their wives, mothers throw away their children. Children throw away their parents. Use it up. Get another. Buy and throw away and products. When we have nothing else to draw upon, we must get more products and more things. Production and consumption is the order of the day. The call to ministry is an invitation to choose an alternative in which vows are given and promises are made. Christian nurture has to do with inviting people to become persons who can speak words, who can hear words, who can give gifts, who can receive gifts. Christian nurture is inviting people to become persons who can make vows and trust vows, who can make promises and keep promises. People who can make vows and commitments are people who move with a sense of interconnection, long ranges and hope in life. Finally, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? Feed my sheep. A call to ministry is ultimately a call to service. The church is set within community to minister to the community. The church is not called to be alone, the church is called to be beside, beside. The call to service offers an alternative to the notions of authority. Jesus refused the authority of society that promised more bread or more power or more statue. Jesus transcended the rules of authority. He lived in the world of a different set of definitions. Jesus lived so that the system could not contain or domesticate him. Simon of Jonas, do you love me? That question is a personal question that's asked each and every one of us. That question calls us by name. That question calls us to be in touch with our passion. That question calls us to make a commitment It calls us to a life of service alongside and on behalf of those in need, in pain, in agony, in the worldwide community. It calls us to affirm our day, the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It calls us to affirm a present day witness of life that can overcome death itself. If you can answer Jesus' question today by giving a resounding, yes, yes, I love Jesus. Yes, I love what Jesus loves. Yes, by the power of God, I will henceforth be the Christian in Christian ministry with Jesus my Lord and my Master. If you will answer yes today to that, the world will stand amazed at what can happen in Liberty Church, what can happen in Liberty Academy, at our deeds. For we have the promise that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, What the Lord Jesus has in store for Liberty Church. Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us stand as we sing. All right. Standing on the promises. (laughs) Standing on the promises.
1: standing I'm standing on the promises of God standing
0: on the promises of Christ my King through eternal ages let his praises ring glory in the highest I will
1: shout and sing standing on the promises of God standing 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 on the promises of God my savior standing standing i'm standing on the promises of God
0: Father we thank you for this service today we thank you for all the services Help us as a church to stand for you. Help us as a church to be a witness to you, to be a light to the community. Help us to be a service to the community. For We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.